Are you ready? Can't the New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're gonna win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans. Jet fans. Jet fans. Are very passionate. Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jet fans. Very passionate. Brady sucks. Don't be sucks. Don't everybody and welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from beautiful, amazing, picturesque Crystal Lake Studios nestled in the bosom of Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Fowle. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, none other than the number one Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris. What's Jet fans? And the man behind the glass, the majestic beast, the big stinking Wookiee, none other than... Nicholas Kronk is also with us. Hello, everyone. Good evening. And the enthusiasm that he just displayed, everyone. I know that was that was just went right through the microphone into your ears, everybody. Guys, last episode you heard us. Little upset. Yeah. Little upset last time you heard us. Adam Gase maneuverings, McCadden getting canned. Not so much that McCadden got canned, just the way they went about it was bothersome. The the structure of the Jets, which always seems to be an issue. Uh, with the coach and the GM, both important to the, to the owner. Last episode, we weren't that happy. No. Nope. And one of the reasons we weren't that happy was because it was my assumption that whoever the New York Jets would be bringing in as a GM, the guy whose title would say general manager, Mike, I was under the assumption this guy was going to be an Adam Gase puppet. However... They call him the Mountain. Joe Douglas, the Mountain, <laughs> Sir Gregor Clegane who the New York Jets hired as the general manager, all reported telling us he is the absolute opposite of that. A guy with high integrity, a guy that's done a really good job so far as a scout. All reports that he's a great guy, a great communicator, someone that was integral in the Philadelphia Eagles being able to amass the talent they amassed in Philly, and somebody that is not going to be an Adam Gase yes-man. Right. Which seemed like a foregone conclusion to me. Looks like we could be wrong. On paper, everybody, every expert you hear said this is a home run hire, Mike. Somebody the Jets absolutely could not go wrong with. Someone they had to ante up the money to get, which also makes it seem like he might not be a yes man because he wasn't just coming here for the first the first offer they gave him. Took a few offers in there, got on track, got the money he wanted, six-year contract. Mike, the mountain, Joe Douglas, New York Jets, general manager, what do you think? Six years. Six years is eye-popping. The length of this contract shows you that he has leverage and he is not a yes man. Adam Gase could be fired at the end of the year with the six-year deal and the money, $3 million per. He got a contract that he felt he deserved, and he negotiated those terms. I like that. I like that he went in there and he wasn't desperate for the job. And one of the things that I really took away from it was that he, one of the biggest reason he said that he came to the Jets was... The vision that he shares with Chris Johnson, that Chris Johnson was a major factor, and the relationship that he currently has with Adam Gase. Now, as you said, he was a scout with the Baltimore Ravens for 15 years. He started out 
where he was asking for a job. They kept turning him down, turning him down, and he would not stop asking for the job and was able to get land a small scouting job. Moved up the ranks, became a national scout for the Baltimore Ravens, and learned under Ozzie Newsom, one of the best GM per football players, a Hall of Famer, and he realized that he wasn't going to be able to move up the ladder and moved over to the Chicago Bears where he met Adam Gase, bringing all of the network and networks and, and experience that he had learned in the Baltimore Ravens system. And Adam Gase said that right when he got there, very first time uh, Adam Gase did, he said that, uh, uh, I mean, Joe Douglas said that Adam Gates reached out to him, had dinner with him, uh, they forged a relationship, and he knew right off the bat that both of them valued players very similarly. So I, I look at this and I say to myself, Keith, like, wow, I was really upset with getting Adam Gates, but was it the fact that we got Adam Gates that led to getting the first blue chip prospect in, of a GM since since Bill Parcells was managing the roster for our franchise because usually we always get the fourth or fifth you know option like an Isaac or a McCagnin McCagnin being somebody who was a scout and when he became a GM he never really holistically took over being a GM he stayed like wanting to scout he didn't really set up any infrastructure he didn't really get a state-of-the-art um, strategy and, and, and team behind him to scout and cre- generate production and quality in the organization. But a guy like Joe Douglas, so when you're a general manager, it's not just about scouting. There's a lot more that you need to do, and you need to be able to have very good people in high places to go ahead and do all that and the thing that we love about Joe Douglas is his network and the people that he was going to be able to bring. So I really think that this is very much like Leon Hess in 1997 when he took the keys and handed over the Jet franchise to Bill Parcells. I believe Chris Johnson knew what he needed to do. He got it done. Kudos to Chris Johnson. And I believe he this is a new era for the New York Jets. He's handing over the keys to Joe Douglas and saying, hey, the mountain. Handle your business. One interesting thing you said there, Mike, was maybe Adam Gase is the reason we were able to get Joe Douglas. And of all the things that have happened in this offseason, the firing of McCagnin, the hiring of Adam Gase, the hiring of Joe Douglas, the hiring of Joe Douglas might be the one that's the most important. It might be the one that ends up uh, being the most beneficial for our team, more than Adam Gase, more than anything else. So right. Gase is the reason we were able to get him. It was That was a means to an end. And it turned out to be positive, and he turned out to be a great general manager, and we're a good team for consistently for a really long time. Well, then it is what it is. Then the hiring of Adam Gase is going to have to end up being looked at as a positive, and that was actually someone who was chosen by Chris Johnson and yep. Mike McCagney. It's just so ironic yep. how this all worked out, Mike, in so many different ways. Considering we call him the mountain, it really is like Game of Thrones. You have you have Mike McCagney in here who hires who hires Adam Gase. Adam Gase is able to, to you know, speak to the owner yeah. who can fire as Mike McCagnin. Adam Gase and Chris Johnson then hire Joe Douglas. And Joe Douglas, in a few years, if he doesn't like how Adam Gase is doing, might fire Adam Gase. Think about that timeline, Mike, which is kind of nuts. crazy. But, you know, but getting back to uh, getting back to what you mentioned, you know, it's almost like with Gase, uh, you know, when you get a vaccination, they inject you with a virus right. to prevent you from getting sick in the future. That doesn't feel good at first. You don't feel right. 
But in the future, long term, it might be actually the best thing for you. That might end up being what happened here. And, you know, Adam Gase and his his credentials to have pushed out McCagnan and his credentials as a coach, Mike, that still, to me, is something that I'm going to have to see on the field because I, I still, I, I still say, say we say we remove all the stuff we said last episode and how angry we were about Gase's maneuverings, Mike, as far as the boardroom stuff and so far as an executive and so far as pushing McCagnan out. If we just stick to on the field... We still can look at Gase and have our questions, right? Right. Say, say we just go X's and O's. Say we just go, you're a quarterback guru, this and that, the other thing. Dolphins weren't really good. The, their players weren't really that good. Their offense right. wasn't really that good. So he's someone I'm, I'm, I'm going to scrutinize Gase still. Douglas, though, getting back to him. This guy is the reason we got him. Obviously, thumbs up, Mike. And, you know, he had his press conference today. The beginning of the press conference, Chris Johnson came out. And he's just... Mike, did you ever see the documentary, the, the, the Foxcatcher documentary with John DuPont? I did not. He was this eccentric millionaire who started, you know, he started to fund the U.S. wrestling team. He had all these different interests, sporting interests. Weird dude. Weird dude, kind of out there. And he just had this bizarre way of speaking. And Chris Johnson just reminds me so much of that because he just, <laughs> he's so awkward with the way he says things. And he just, you see those movies where there's like a rich kid who has no friends who just sits in his mansion by himself and doesn't know how to speak to other kids. He seems like that kid. You know, Joe Douglas said the leadership of the Jets. He kept saying Mr. Johnson and the Jets leadership convinced him. Right. The Jets leadership, the leadership in quotations means Adam Gase. Dude, the eyes. They're crazy. Yeah, saying yeah. that, as, as we yeah. know, right? Um, and Joe Douglas said he wants to be have the Jets up there and you know be one of the titans of the game, which I think was a good choice of words right there. And like we, Mike went through his resume there, Ravens, Bears, Eagles. The Bears is where he met Gase. Gase seemed to reach out to him when he was there, one of the first guys he was really friends with. I know he shouted out some of the players the Jets have on the squad. Uh, Mosley, he knows, is a great player. Right. Bell is a great player. Those are two yeah. guys that just got signed. And I do think what one thing he said that I like is that he wants to have people that hate losing and a team yeah. that's not going to beat themselves, uh, which I know people say that a lot, but getting smart players on your yeah. team is something the Patriots have done for a really long time. If you have a whole team of, like, uh, Vontez Burfecks, oh, your team God. isn't going to... You can have, you, The guy's a great a monster, right? But he, he's a nitwit. He, you, you, you have to have intelligence. You have to have guys on the field that are going about things pragmatically, and it seems like that's the way he wants to go about stocking the team. When he got asked some questions about Gase, obviously it was all positive yeah. answers. Most of his answers, Mike, were pretty short today, uh, besides the time he went with the media privately. The 2019 Jets, as far as stocking players, like I mentioned earlier, he said they do have the number three waiver claim, and they they anticipate being active in every single waiver period with the number three claim. There's many other ways to get players, maybe through trades, yep. maybe, maybe um, you know a, a few different avenues he's going to explore. And I, I was excited. It seemed like he was able to communicate a little bit better than... Like, not that Mag McCagney was so wooden, but he was very, very studious, someone that was... Uh, not necessarily a football guy. You know right. what I mean, Mike? Like, right. a, like a, so I think Joe Douglas is a little bit different, comes off different. He played football, yeah. played in college. Uh, this is his passion. This is what he's always wanted to do. People asked him why he didn't go into coaching, why he went into the executive realm. And it's something he said he's always interested in, building teams, the way uh, teams go about that. And obviously he's been very successful, worked his way up the ranks. The Eagles have denied several other teams interviewing him. Yeah, so, you know, he's somebody that other teams wanted. And this upcoming offseason, Mike, this upcoming offseason, that is the guy that would have been the number one GM prospect. Right. So that would have been the number one guy other teams would have been pursuing. That has a lot to do with the fact why I think... Douglas, when it comes to the money, 
Yep. What he called him holding out for some extra dough, Mike. Basically said, all right, I'm not going to put myself out there, even though I've worked all these years, uh, worked 15 years with the Ravens, a year with the Bears, four years with the Eagles. I've done all that hard work. I'm finally going to have my quote-unquote for your GM, basically free agent time, right? Right. right. That you've worked for. I'm going to forego that and come to you guys. But I'm going to need a little bit more money. I'm going to need a couple more years. And I think that might might have had something to do with it, Mike, which kind of does make sense. But six years, locked him in for three million years. Pretty decent contract. And you haven't heard one single person. Normally, every guy gets hired no matter what. Even when McCadden got hired, obviously Idzik. But there's always this other tractor. There's something they say they're not good at. Right. The individual. And when it comes to this guy, all positive views. Absolutely. And you said that, you said building... Uh, a team uh, he made a comment he said building around a young quarterback there was a sense of urgency in Philadelphia knowing that we had a young quarterback and we want to put those pieces around him I think the same thing's going to happen here the same urgency but especially with a guy like Sam Darnold he loves his athleticism he said about Sam Darnold love his ability to go through progressions I think he's a unique guy in that he's a very young player 22 but he shows an ability to have his eyes and feet work through progressions quickly, and he throws an accurate ball. And just hearing about his leadership ability, he's such an exciting player. This was the hook, line, and sinker to get Douglas. Like you said, they asked him a question, why did you decide to jump at the Jets' job now and not wait until next year? And his answers really were Adam Gase. Uh, Chris Johnson, and then talking about the quarterback, Sam Darnold. And now the New York Jets have something that I don't think I've ever been alive for. They have their first prospect that they wanted at quarterback, Sam Darnold. By all reports, that's the guy they wanted. They got him. They wanted the first guy for the GM was Joe Douglas. They ended up landing him. So you have now two blue chip prospects at two of the most important positions in a franchise, right? And all of them want to work together. And that is the key. If we go back and look at the last coach-GM relationship, Mike McCagnin and Adam Gase. Mike McCagnin was making decisions without Adam Gase, supposedly their reports, and it wasn't going to work. And Chris Johnson, I guess, just knew that, hey, you know, if I got to get rid of one of them, I'm going to go get rid of McCagnin. If you go back, McCagnin and Bowles, there was no relationship. They didn't even really even talk. And there was really no synergy. When you go back to Isaac and Rex and, you know, so on and so forth. Look, when you're a franchise, you need to work together, make decisions together. That's a great point. That's something that, you know, if there was a, in retrospect, one of the criticisms of McCagnin was that, you know, the general manager's office didn't necessarily work in cohesion with the coaching staff, which doesn't work. No. You know, it doesn't work. That that, that process doesn't work. You have to have your coach. I'm not saying that Adam Gase needs to be the one selecting the players, but even if I, I could have all of my reservations about Adam Gase as the coach of the New York Jets... But he is the coach, and he's gonna he's gonna run the team and run the offense the way that he sees fit. So that person, just like Todd Bowles, right. should have should have some input. Of you know, he, he can't be going blindly into this. And when those people seem to be more in lockstep, like this situation right here, yep. you got Sam, you got Gase, you got Joe Douglas here. It does seem like the smoke cleared, right? 
and you're in a positive situation. We're in a good spot, even though it didn't feel like it a few weeks ago. I don't know, Mike. It just It's so funny how quick things can change. It, it, is, it is. And guess what, Keith? Bad franchises don't stay bad forever. Look, before Chuck Knoll came to the Steelers, they were terrible. They were terrible. They just weighed one great decision in investing in Chuck Knoll, and it changed all their fate. The Patriots, we don't even need to get into that. It was one hit on a quarterback, changed everything. Look at the the Giants. The Giants were a trash heap in the 70s, okay? And they went and hired an executive, the... the uh, the uh, NFL actually intervened and told them to hire an executive out of Miami into their front office, which ended up leading them to Bill Parcells and turn that franchise around. Um, you know, you could go on to the Saints. Just, you could be bad, but that doesn't mean you're bad forever. It just takes one really smart decision to change everything. And let's hope that me, you and I are looking back in 10 years and saying this was the most important decision for the New York Jets in our lifetimes besides potentially drafting Sam Darnold. But one of the things that I wanted to mention is that Douglas, as he's building out his front office, he's considering uh, his college teammate, Todd McShay. I didn't know that Todd McShay was a quarterback for the Richmond Spiders, uh, Luletta uh, School. <laughs> so, 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 uh, uh, <laughs> Keith, Keith, I remember when they drafted Luletta and he's like, Richmond? Anyway, oh, anyway. Sure. If he's uh, in the SFL, will he be on the roster? He's like, right now? no, no, he's 40, 41. He's oh, like, yeah, yeah, so, so, McShay, so, um, Douglas was his offensive tackle. That's how they had a relationship, and they've stayed in contact all this time. Now, here's the thing I like about McShay, Keith. Now, McShay doesn't have any executive, uh, he doesn't have any executive experience, but he is an out-of-the-box hire. He's not your typical front office type person that you would put there, but the thing that I love is that he already has an insane scouting network because of what he does with ESPN. That, now, I'm going to tell you right now, Keith, and I think you know this. Nick, you already know this. You know, you could be really good at your job, but what real, what makes you really good when you're a manager, when you're involved in management, is the people you know. If you have a strong network, the results are very positive. And what I could say is Todd McShay, if he comes into the scouting department and he's running that scouting department or helping to run that scouting department, all of the different people that he talks to, all those scouts, all those coach, college coaches, all of the different updates that he gets on players, he has all those contacts. He has all those relationships. And he'll bring that, and maybe he's not the best person because he hasn't really had a lot of football NFL knowledge, but he can bring those relationships to a Joe Douglas, to any officers that they bring into their network. And so I like... I like that value and that out-of-the-box thinking and the relationship that Douglas has with McShay. So personally, I think if it happens, I like the move. Yeah, I have a couple thoughts on that. One thing, I, a couple <laughs> thoughts on that. One, one of the worst names on earth is Todd. That has nothing to do with his success or lack thereof. No, no, no. no. It's just a horrible name. But two, um, I have a few thoughts, Mike, because... You look at somebody like Todd McShay, who obviously has his own network of scouts, and he knows, you know, he'll be there talking about third and fourth round picks. He knows every single thing about yep. them, um, what they, what high school they went to, what offense they ran. You know, if 
if there was a running back and half the offensive line was injured, he knew that, and the guy's probably undervalued. So it's good to know those things. But now you take somebody like that and you give them the backing of a professional NFL football team. Not just an NFL guy trying to make a name for himself as a media celebrity. You give him the backing of a professional football team. You know, he'll have, if he's going to be right under, if he's going to be um, the assistant um, GM, which is which is potentially, but maybe he's going to be head of scouting, then he's going to have a bunch of other guys also doing a similar job to him. That'll be his underlings. That could, that could be an outside-the-box move and a positive move. I know that a lot of, just like Kuiper, a lot of his picks and predictions go wrong, but the reason is that, you know, through a draft, there's hundreds and hundreds right. of picks. When you boil it down to one single football team in a season, making anywhere from five to seven picks in a year, you just focus on those individual picks in those individual rounds. Having a guy like him focusing on, okay, we know we have the 12th pick, all your energy. Forget about those other... Right. Just focus on that pick. I don't know. That seems like it's something that really can only only help. What's your thoughts on uh, Jimmy Sexton, who is the representative for Douglas, Gase, and Darnold? All three of them. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. A lot of people have mentioned that, how he's the representative for all of them. But, like, when it comes to the general manager and, like, who his agent is, has anyone ever in the history of professional sports given two about a general manager and agent? No, who cares? Like, it matters now just because Adam Gase's agent is the same guy and Sam Darnold. I know they have certain rules in the NBA to prevent things like that from happening, but the NBA is 12-man teams. It's a little bit different. I doesn't really, Mike. That doesn't affect me one way or the other, to be honest. If, if uh, but I don't think he's somebody that's gonna have any. You know, it'll be interesting when Sam Sam Darnold's contract comes up, right? Right. You know, because he's gonna be have his agent negotiating with Adam Gase and Joe Douglas, who's also <laughs> his agent. So they'll know. I mean, maybe that might even help That'd us. It, it might even streamline you're things right. more. Who knows? You're right. You're absolutely. You're absolutely right. It could. It could potentially streamline the whole process, which we know that. Who knows? Look at the the. Eagles just upped uh, Wentz early in his uh, rookie deal. I, I thought he got a four-year extension, so who knows? Maybe if Sam has a great year this they year. Do, you know, the Eagles uh, are the Eagles are really aggressive at re-signing players yep. before their contracts are done. It's smart, uh, maybe, though. They, it's smart. Really, they do that. They do that a year or two out. Uh, I think Fletcher Cox. Now they got yep. Wentz. They do that with players because what ha- it's kind of a win-win. Because the player then gets more guaranteed money, right. which for a player always feels good. That, that makes them feel, that gives you a sense of security, yep. especially in the NFL where that guaranteed money really is all that matters, right? Me, right. me and Wookie could sign a $100 million contract right now, but Wookie really is always like, well, what's the guaranteed money? Right. You know, that's really all that matters. Right. And they kind, that's smart what they do because they kind of get guys at a little bit of a bargain. <laughs> I'm not saying $25 million for one is a bargain, but Aaron Rodgers is going to make 35 Right. You know, yeah. Certain, and Wentz was Wentz went healthy. Uh, is a very good quarterback. One of the better quarterbacks. At least he, oh, he seems like he's on that level. So I hope that I, I think Joe Douglas he, when he was there, that's something that was one of their philosophies. I think with the Jets, I see you know Sam will play this year. Sam will play next year. Oh, uh, that fourth year, I bet you they try to extend Sam. Do something similar yeah. with him. And and hey, you know, as the GM, he's the one that's going to be doing extensions. And as the GM, he's the one who's going to give him the axe. Just like he gave the axe to Neil Sterling today is his first move. Wow. Now, Mike, you know what it reminded me now? Do you remember any any Game of Thrones fans? Oh. You'll remember. Now, you guys, if you see the cover for the episode this week, it's a battle <laughs> between a mountain and a Tom Brady helmeted viper. Now, in that episode, in that episode, the mountain did explode the viper's brain with his bare hands. A pitched battle. But one thing that I want to remind you of, Mike, do you remember that episode? 
the beginning of it, when Cersei Lannister went and chose the mountain to be her guy, chose him to represent her in that battle to the death, the mountain came out, giant sword, and was just chopping dudes in half. That was Neil Sterling today. He came in the mountain, stepped into the building, looked at the roster and said, who's getting chopped in half? Who is the first guy? Who do I put the stamp on? (laughs) And... Neil Sterling, there you go. Walking out with his box. See you later, pal. In other news with the New York Jets this week, aside from Joe Douglas, we re-signed a New York Jet. Adam Gase did before we got Joe Douglas, brought him back to the fold. New York Jet favorite, Bilal Powell, back on the squadron, lifelong Jet. Um, I think he's on, this might be his 10th year, his ninth or 10th year on mm-hmm. this season. Wow. Serious neck injury last year. Seemed like his career might be yeah. over from that injury. Yeah. Bounced back, 100% healthy again. Tested, uh, doctors testing him out. He's good to go. Was out there as a free agent uh, for you know for about three months. I'm very happy we brought him back, Mike. We got him. Uh, we got Montgomery backing up Bell, and that's some serious depth with McGuire too there. And I don't know if Cannon's going to make the team next year. I'm not sure, but they, they really loaded up there. It seems like uh, Bilal Powell, someone's always been sturdy, can catch the ball, can run the ball. We can always count on him, Mike. Pretty good blocker. I'm really happy they brought him back. I'm very happy they brought him back too. It's good depth. He is a character guy. He is a guy who will run through walls. He's the type of guy that the uh, RGM talked about today and the type of jet players that he's going to be looking for. And I believe that if Le'Veon Bell has any issues this season where he gets out of the gate slow, where he gets injured, we have the depth to have players to play at the running back position and be a tremendous value um, and not have a major drop-off like the way Elijah McGuire or Trenton Cannon would have been. And I do believe this puts Trenton Cannon or Elijah McGuire's job in jeopardy. I'm not sure which one potentially would get cut. I know later on this summer, as we go through, you and I will do a 53-man roster guessing game. We'll figure out who we think is going to get cut, who we think is going to make it. Right now, those two, Elijah and Trenton, I don't know, Keith. I really Yeah, I, really I think don't of the know. two of them, Cannon's the most likely to get cut because McGuire's a little more sturdy. And Cannon, when he got his chances last year, Mike, in the regular season, I don't know if he made the most of them. I can't say that he did. I know in the preseason he did great. I know Powell and Montgomery will be ahead of them, you know, and backing up Bell there. And, uh, you know, in the running back spot, man, it's a fluid position in the NFL. And you got to make sure you have at least two or three guys down there, that fourth or fifth running back spot. They'll be very interesting when the preseason starts to see how that shakes out. Uh, and there's a lot of positions we're going to be looking at when the preseason comes up. I can't wait. Camp's starting up soon, Mike. Uh, yes, we'll be out there sir. Running. I'm just, it doesn't get better than that, everybody. And that's one of the balls on the way back. Yeah, everybody. And we're going to have... Uh, but, but what's great, I just, you know, from now until the beginning of camp is the real dead season. Nothing's really going on. So I think the AEBG, we, uh, we thought outside of the box. And I think we're going to be delivering something very special to you guys, you listeners, our fans over the next few weeks while we prepare for training camp. Absolutely. Of course, going to be covering the Jets every time we do an episode. Also, going to be doing some fantasy football episodes for everyone. Nice. We do have some fantasy football-obsessed human beings on the show, very well-versed in the world yeah. of fantasy football, all of us. Um, some predictions. We'll get Bennett on. We'll get the doctor on. The Wookiee. Mike. Me. Who knows? Holy. We might, if we can get a feed down there, I yeah. know it's, it's spotty. Maybe we'll get senior waivers on. We could. You never know. You never yeah. know, everybody. I know a lot of you guys are going to Los Huevos? Yeah, we might oh, go to Los Huevos. We might go down there. <laughs> right off right off the uh, the coast of where Cabo San Lucas is there in the panhandle. 
of the Mexican Baja, the island of Los Huevos, everyone. Uh, you'll, you'll be familiar with it soon, but yeah, we'll be doing some fantasy football episodes, guys, trying to entertain you the best we can. Keep it up with the Jets, as always. Then we'll get right into the preseason, man. I can't wait. All right, that's it for this week, guys. We're going to be coming at you with that uh, the first fantasy football episode. Probably going to cover quarterbacks, see how that goes. Break them down to a fine powder, Mike. We have another one in the books for us. If anyone wants to listen to us, get at us, support us, tweet us, tell their friends about us. That's always good. Where can they do that, Mike? Oh, man, we are everywhere nowadays. But if you want to find us, we're on the Elite Sports Radio Network. You can find us on SoundCloud, our homepage. Give, give us a like, give us a listen. iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spreaker.com. Um, you can follow us on Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio. On Twitter, at AEBG underscore NYJ Podcast. And on Instagram, at Jet.AEBG. You heard the man. On behalf of my colleague, Michael Lagaris. On behalf of the Big Stinking Wookiee, Nicholas Kronk, my name is Keith Frile, everyone. This was the Ain't Easy Being Green Podcast. Get at you next week. Peace out. Are you ready? Can't win. The New York Jets can beat anybody in the world, and I think we're going to win next Sunday. The New York Jets. I think Jet fans, Jet fans, Jet fans. Burn, very passionate. Burn, Thank you, all you fans. They got their guy. Darnold falling to the Jets. Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. That's such an upside. I think Jeff Andrew. Brady sucks! Don't be the suck! I'm an unbeliever!